on TV, online, on top of the world. Made it, Ma. This is EPT Not Live. Hello and welcome to EPT Not Live. I am Uncle Daddy, Joe Stapleton. Coming up on today's show, we are across the crowded universe again. I'm in the U.S., James is in England, but we do have a brand new shark cage heat to talk about. Don Cheadle, Gail Garcia-Diaz, Natalie Hoff, Corey Panzano. He's the qualifier. He's on the show later on. Coming up, the World Series of Poker is over. We've got a new world champ. There's Superfan versus Stapes this week, and Superfan versus Stapes comes with a very special warning later on. We've got an important announcement from Pagan Events later Aww. in the show. That's right. They are there. <laughs> they are. They are swirling in an inferno of fire and flame <laughs> and they have got more to say about EPT Malta. I'm back in New York. I'm in LA t- later tonight. I'm in a great mood. I'm having a great day. So why not ruin that ru- that mood <laughs> by introducing the world to my work wife, Mr. James Hardigan. And I thought the thing that was going to ruin your day was flying from New York to LA, which is no short trip. Same country, but pretty much the same distance and the same duration as actually making it from like London to New York, right? Definitely, except when you fly, uh, the flight I'm flying, when you land, you end up in Los Angeles, which is fucking awesome. And then get and, stuck in traffic. Yeah, whatever, it's fine. I'd rather be stuck in traffic in Los Angeles than uh, like still stuck in traffic in London, which <laughs> people who act like London traffic is any different than LA are fucking out of their minds. It's just the size of the roads that matter. So last week, Joe, we broke a record, our longest podcast ever, pushing one hour and 40 minutes. And I was panicking that people would go, yawn, boring, shut up the pair of you. Uh, However, Craig Towles loved it. Thanks for the podcast. Keeps me going at the gym every week. Uh, Simon Baker, not the mentalist, thought it was a great (laughs) episode with great questions from Matt Broughton. Uh, Ronnie Barda seems like a really cool guy. And well done, Mickey Peterson, who, of course, was the winner in that Superfan versus Stapes competition that Matt hosted. Um, I told you, man, people like longer podcasts, not shorter. To be fair, though, if we... If people didn't listen to the Spectre review, and I totally appreciated that people might cut it off there because they didn't want the film spot for them, it actually wasn't that long. But if you did stick with us for our review of Spectre, uh, you would have heard us not saying particularly positive things about the film. Sam Werger says, I think Spectre is popular with non-traditional Bond fans. My mum and girlfriend liked it. Um, In fact, they loved it. My point to Sam, and I actually replied to him on Twitter, is... I don't think it matters whether you're a Bond film or what. Not a badly written film is a badly written film. Yeah, but I mean, look, there's something that we're not getting because so many people seem to like this movie. So I'm willing to concede that fine. Maybe I'm just like a maybe I'm just a, a curmudgeon that uh, was irritated by this stuff. But. You say that I've read a lot of reviews though, which have made a lot of the same points that we made last week about the sheer stupidity and the things in the film that really angered them. Uh, Gareth Taylor did agree with us, was a big fan of the review. He says, you guys need to be the new hosts of film 2016 on TV. No bullshit, honest reviews, genuine film fans. I like that. That would be good. But you know, the second we got on a real TV show, we would then immediately have to start bullshitting. Absolutely. Because we want to be invited to all the best junkets, all the best screenings. Exactly. We'd have to be so far up the asses of the film companies. We'd be like, Bond, yes, love it. Please <laughs> let me have my uh, on-set tour next time. 
I wouldn't be able to call it bored, James Bored. You know what we forgot, by the way, when we were doing that Spectre review? Remember that commercial we saw? Yes! NatWest Bank, starring Ross Boatman. Starring Ross Boatman. Now they're going to, now is Barney going to write a blog about how there's not enough Brits in the uh, Television Academy of Arts and Sciences? <laughs> there's not enough Brit Clio award winners. But isn't it nice to see half the Hendon mob, the two brothers doing well? We've got Barney winning his second bracelet at the it World Series cool. of Poker in Berlin. And um, we've got his, his brother now is the face of a TV and uh, multi poster print ad campaign as well. Yeah, that was so weird. Hendon mob guy playing like a playing like a, da- a dad, like a stay-at-home dad in a bank commercial. That was weird. But James, also, I have one question about the the song, the Spectre song. Oh, do we have to talk about the song? We missed the song last week, and I was just wondering how many other times have they done a duet as the Bond song? No, but this wasn't a duet. Yeah, it was. There's the guy singing in the beginning, and then that chick takes over. No, eventually. no, no, no. That's the, that's the guy. He basically just goes really high pitch for the chorus. That's not a woman singing. That's Sam Smith singing. Uh, I guess now, now do I have? See, I thought I had to pretend to like it because it was a woman, and I didn't want to be <laughs> sexist. I didn't want to be a misogynist, but now I can just say it sucks. The that's only great. thing that's good about the version in the film is that it's mercifully short because it's like a cut down version of the song just to cover the two minute credits. <laughs> right. The actual radio edit is like four and a half minutes of dodge. Ugh. Ugh. Hey, look, as long as we're doing tweets, I have a bit of a Twitter emergency right now. Is this a social media beef or does this fall into a different category? Yeah, this is more, yeah, this is more of a, an emergency. It could be a beef. I, it, well, you know what? It's probably going to go into the beef category, but so this morning, right before the show started, I got a tweet from a guy, Brian Evans111, who says, why have you got a problem with ginger-haired people? Now you have a problem with me. <clears throat> now, I think I would tend to think that this is a joke, right? Like someone who's just bantering back. However, I really hope for his sake that he has appreciated the fact that you are being over the top or, you know, and that there is no issue here. I've never actually said anything bad about gingers. I don't think I will bring someone's gingerness to attention, um, but I don't think I've ever actually said. I may have quote. I may have quoted something else that was badly said. Said it's badly d- about it, them. You have certainly made references to Neil Farrell, for example. Maybe not be possessing of a soul. No, I said that was a soulless semi-bluff, which it was mean to do it to the player he was playing against. So anyway, I thought that I was willing to laugh this off as a joke, but you know, you know, as you do, James, you go and you always check out the profile of the person that sent this to you so you of can course. sort of get a better feel and for that. And go through some of their other tweets and say, are they one of those people who just sends endless crap to people? Correct. And this guy, this is what scares me, James, is he doesn't send endless crap to people. I'm literally the only person he's ever tweeted at. You think he came onto Twitter? He tweeted for the first time 34 days ago. Wow. To retweet a Wayne Rooney social media competition. And his only actual written out tweet that isn't a retweet is this ginger, the soulless ginger threat to me. So anyway, I just thought that was funny because Brian, if you, uh, if you find like just up just my body with like a trail of ginger hairs red red pubes it. we'll know yeah, who it was you know exactly who it was <laughs> uh, one last thing james this isn't social media but i got i got an email yesterday and i thought you might appreciate this email it says um dear joe i hope you're well a massive congratulations for coming seventh place at our fabulously quintessentially foundation <laughs> poker night this year <laughs> 
We hope you had a wonderful time and that you'll be joining us again next year. You have won a weekend stay in the gentleman's suite at the glamorous Camilla Grand Zurich Hotel. Oh, we're going to rubbing it in. Including breakfast on the Saturday, brunch on the Sunday, and one massage in the spa for each person. Yada, yada, yada. Please keep in mind it doesn't include transfers. So I went, I went online and looked up what it costs to stay. Now, this particular suite isn't listed on their website because it's the gentleman's suite. But you've worked out the approximate cash value, right? The, the actual, like, a regular suite. So I don't know if the gentleman's suite is somehow worse than that. I'm guessing it's not. I'm guessing it's somehow better. But their cheapest suite is 1,600 euros a night. <laughs> so this is, like, a probably close to, like, 3,500 euro prize that I've been forced to give up. So I was hoping, James, that you might, uh, that you would, I, I, th- I think you might enjoy my reply. And I legit sent this. I looped in. Sue from uh, from Poker Stars, uh, just as you know. Uh, hi, Natalie and Melissa. As you probably well know, I'm a billionaire industrialist and have little use for this prize. <laughs> I own several hotels that dwarf this particular property, and generally when I'm not controlling the media or funding wars in small countries, I typically spend my free time hot air balloon jousting and monocle shopping. <laughs> the only time I ever go to Switzerland is to check in on my money and swim around in giant piles of cash. As a result, I've looped in Sue Hammett because I'd like to donate this prize back to the charity. Hopefully, this is possible. <laughs> Best, Baron Joseph Stapleton. <laughs> and let me guess, you've not received a further response. No, Sue replied and said that she was that she was lolling while she got it, so that's good. I just I was like, if I have to reject this prize, what is the stupidest way possible? <laughs> That I can do it. So Baron Joe Stapleton. Baron Joseph Stapleton. Uncle Daddy Baron Joseph Stapleton. Hey, James, what do you say we do a little news? Let's do it. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for EPT Not Live News. The World Series of Poker is over for 2015. And I feel like if they had played it through from July, it may have still ended up taking this long to oh, finish. Oh, wow. I mean, Pierre Neville... I don't remember him ever doing this on an EPT. He's made several final tables on the EPT. I remember his epic heads-up battle against Mickey Peterson, but I seem to remember at least looking at his cards before he made a decision. How on earth can you tank for the better part of a minute without even looking at your cards? I obviously agree with that completely, James, because I'm sure you saw some of my tweets that I had sent during the World Series of Poker. Um, uh, speaking of tweeting during the World Series of Poker, we'll get back to Pierre in a second. You texted me that day as if you were going to like warn me not to tweet. During no, the I World just thought Series it was a poker. bizarre thing to declare that you were going to do. Well, I wasn't going to declare it, but my friend Clayton decided that he was going to tell the world we were going to do it, and then he, for some unknown reason, God bless him, but he fucking tweeted at Norman, Lana, and Antonio to let them know, and it's just like. Hey guys, I just want to let you know one of your competitors is going to fucking troll you your entire broadcast. Or wasn't it also wasn't it like while you guys are hosting the main event of the World Series of Poker, Joe Stapleton is tweeting? Yeah, exactly. It's just I, you know, so I wasn't planning. I was just going to do it along with the audience. You know, I didn't want it to be like sure. a thing. It I was, just wanted it. I actually found it very useful because you know what I did when I got up in the morning because I think it's fair to say that the three days of uh, live coverage wasn't particularly friendly to people in Europe with jobs who couldn't stay up all night to watch the final yeah. table. So first thing in the morning, I just open Twitter, go to your timeline, and get a very succinct 
humorous summary of what happened. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I, I, of course, of course, there's a million things I want to say during the broadcast, but I just can't because because look, it's hard, right? It's fucking hard doing live poker commentary and having been in that seat. I don't mean just commentary. I just mean the whole production. There's so much stuff going on that like, of course, like I chuckle when I notice mistakes, but like, dude, I make a lot of mistakes. So like I wasn't going to sit there legit trolling them. I wanted to talk about things that I found to be genuinely interesting and or funny that weren't really didn't really have to make anyone the butt of the joke unless they were trying to be. So in Pierre's case, um, even though Pierre like I don't think took so long to look at his cards before. He always struck me as a guy that loved the attention and loved the spotlight. A couple of years ago when he won that, um, remember, what was his nickname on the EPT? The Serial Qualifier. The Serial Qualifier, right? So one year, this he already had the nickname. One year I'm hosting the, uh, the European Poker Awards, and he wins the award for Qualifier of the Year. And he comes up on stage like, like, he's, never, like he's so shocked that he's, he's like, I can't believe I won this award. And I'm like, dude. Your nickname is the serial qualifier. Everyone calls you that. You can't be that surprised. So I, I, I thought he was just really, ha- like, I thought he was being an, an old man ham, to be honest. But also, he was not the biggest problem at this final table. It was the no, Stern guy. Tanking. Yeah. The Stern guy, right? Who's, I, 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 rumor has it that they had words with him after the first night because that's got to be eating into their ratings. Why would any casual viewer put up with this for more than 10 minutes? Yeah, I mean, it was really brutal. I think this stat came out that he was taking, on average, something like 34 seconds before um, before all of his actions, um, which is a really long time when you're going to fold and you're pre-flop. Uh, you know, I had some. I definitely had some tweets at, at base at him, though. I got a little heat on my V Stern tweet that I sent early on. Um, yeah, he was the problem. Now, I will say that I watched. I watched. Some I didn't watch any of the second night, but I watched last night from three down to one. Th- there were none of those problems. Um, it was really interesting, great stuff. Um, I did really like Max Steinberg. I thought that he was like uh, a pretty likable dude, and so I was hoping. Sorry, I had this- what, what level of Steinberg are you the biggest fan of? I like I like maximum Steinberg. I like it when there can't be any more Steinberg. So yeah, I was tweeting those little memes, and I was hoping because he seemed like an affable dude. I was hoping we could get a little a little uh, traction with those. Now, James, I don't know if you saw this or not, but my absolute favorite thing about this WSOP was this guy Neil Blumenfield. I didn't see it. Okay, well Neil is this guy. He's like isn't this uh, the guy who directed District Nine? He, that's what I keep thinking, Neil Blomkamp, when I see it. But uh, he um, is like a guy in his 50s from San Francisco. He's like this this hippie, yes. hipster guy dressed funny. And honestly, I thought that a win for him would have been the best thing for poker. Um, I know that we joke about like good for poker, bad for poker. I think this guy, this regular guy from San Francisco in his 50s, winning the World Series would have been fantastic for the poker industry. I think you get way more mainstream coverage out of a regular guy winning it than like a 25-year-old poker pro. Um, but when he went broke last night in third place, this was fucking amazing, James. you got to go back and watch it. I feel so bad for Kara. But he was talking and talking and talking during his bust-out interview as if he, had, he it was – a slash he was getting all the plugs in. So his first things he's like he was like plugging all the advertisers and thanking everyone. And then he's like, uh, I also have to thank all my coaches. And then he pulls out a list and he starts reading names like he's well, like doing an Oscar like, speech. Like an Oscar speech. It's fucking oh, wow. hilarious. And Kara is freaking out. And she doesn't want to be rude and cut him off, but like his interview has gone so long. And it's so 
freaking funny. Like I said, I'm not making fun of Kara at all. There's nothing she could do. Um, but this moment was by far my favorite thing of the entire World Series. You have to go back and watch it. Um, the one thing that really kind of bugged me, um, obviously Joe McKeon won. Sorry, James. Spoiler alert. Well, I mean, uh, I, that was clear. I mean, he came in as the chip leader, and by the point they were three-handed, I mean, it was something spectacularly unlucky would have to have happened to him for him not to just decimate the other two. Yeah, absolutely. And he played really well. And, you know, uh, he does seem to have some bizarre personality quirks, but he seems like, a you know, like a decent enough guy. He does dress like an absolute slob, um, which is I don't really care, to be honest. Like, yes, do I wish that someone like looked more presentable when they're going to be poker's ambassador? But I also don't think you don't owe the poker world anything, man. Do what you want to do. That's why you're a poker player. So I'm very firmly on the fence about this. But I did have a pretty decent zing where I said, you know, Joe McKeon doesn't dress for the job he has he dresses for the job he wants <laughs> unemployed yes. and that's Liv- living can- off eight million dollars and a exactly. massive bracelet that looks like it should go around your waist that is exactly how i would dress if i was going to live off seven million dollars for like the rest of my life it would be i would never wear sleeves ever um the one thing that did kind of bother me though is that so that was really cool the last frame right the last frame of the world series they sort of zoom out and then it ends up becoming the monitor in the sports center studio Oh, cool yeah and so they immediately launch in the sports center and they talk about joe mckeon for about five seconds then they do one or two rounders quotes and that's it and then they end up for like the highlights of the week of the other sports they're using poker terms so they're like poker face no straight flush and then that's it it was almost as if the World Series of Poker was as insignificant as take your daughter to work day. Like something that, which that you're supposed to make balk at that being a misogynistic comment, but whatever, it's fine. He just nodded along. He was like, yep, pretty stupid. Um, yeah, so. It, it, it's I, not the I, fact that it's a girl. It could be bring your son to work day. It's a pointless activity. Excellent. Okay, good. Perfect. Um, but yeah, so it was like the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Like they, they were basically like laughing about it. Like, oh, ah, this little thing that happens every year, which James, I mean, yeah, I don't like poker being the butt of a joke, but also like it doesn't belong on Sports Center anyway. So it doesn't. On the one hand, I'm like, oh, that sucks. That's my industry. But on the other hand, I'm like, yeah, it's probably got the recognition it deserves. So the other thing that was happening in Vegas, James, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, they did the uh, the Hall of Fame induction oh, ceremony. Did, did they announce who's going into the Poker Hall of Fame? Well, they did. Yes, a while ago. Devilfish is in, right? No, not Devilfish. What? Are you trying to lead me down the primrose path to saying what I think about Devilfish going in the Poker Hall of Fame? Hang on a second. Has anyone said anything about this on social media? The fact Some people that- have. I was moving past all that. I was just going... <laughs> I was just going and I'm, just, past- I'm just trolling because I think it's hilarious. The point is, this is a wall of photographs at Binion's. Who cares? Yeah. Okay, that's good. I, I'll reserve my comment because I think your, yours is probably a much safer one. Um, I just wanted to do like uh, a little contest... Uh, I wanted to give some money away because I'm in such a good mood this week. I'm going to give. Uh, I'm going to do a little contest for uh, the listeners out there. So Jen Harmon and John Juanda were inducted into the Poker Hall of Fame. By the way, John Juanda didn't show up. Um, oh, I bet that went down well with all the people who were saying that Devilfish or a another Brit should have been inducted. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really see much about that. I think they t- they took it as him having some sort of protest. You know, like oh, on their behalf. I, I I shouldn't I shouldn't be inducted before Devilfish, so I'm going to hold back. 
or him just saying it's a wall full of photos of Binion's and it's fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> when really it was probably some kind of prop bet that he's just, you know, he's in some game he couldn't leave. He obviously he's a complete degenerate and will just, he's, I mean, he skipped the World Series this year for weight loss bets. Um, so anyway, for this contest, I'm going to give everyone an opportunity. I'm going to give away uh, $25 of my own money. You got to be a real money poker stars player to get this. And if you're not, I'll send you a t-shirt. Um, but basically... On the 2015 official Poker Hall of Fame ballot, there were 10 names on the list, okay? There are 10 names, and uh, hold on. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 10 names on the list, and uh, what you had to do is you were given, James, you are given 10 points that you could distribute, 10 votes. Just to be that, clear, is this something yeah. you were invited to do, or is this something yeah, that anyone I'm sorry. could do? Yeah, I'm so sorry. This is No, I was invited to be on the poker. The, I need the important piece of context, James. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so is, is, is this competition basically a way of you shoehorning into the podcast that I get to choose who goes in the Poker Hall of Fame because I'm Joe Stapleton? Yes, is exactly what this segment is you about. You are so... James, I'm going to pay someone $25 for me to say this, okay? A whole 25 Go, go Have your moment. Go on. For something I should be getting paid to say, James. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yes. Yeah, so I'm a voter for the Hall of Fame. And so I got my ballot. There's 10 names on it. Um, did you vote for Devilfish? Well, here's here's the contest. There's 10 names, and you're allowed to distribute uh, 10 points and or votes amongst up to three candidates. Okay, so you can go like 3, 3, and 4, or 4, 4, and 2. Right, or um, or just t- 10 and 1, or 10 and 0, I mean. Okay, up yeah, to 3. 5 and 5? Correct, you go 5 and 5. So uh, 12 and 3? So gonna- could you do 12 and 3? 12 and negative 3, I would have done that. If I could have done 12 and negative 3 for Devilfish, I would have. Um, but you don't know. Did I, was I saying 12 or was I saying negative 3? Who knows? Um, so, yeah, for uh, there's 10 names on there. I'm going to read them real quick just for the people out there who want to participate in this. Chris Bjorn, David Shue, Bruno Fatusi, Jen Harmon, John Juanda, Carlos Mortensen, Max Pescatori, Terry Rogers, Matt Savage, David Elliott. Okay? I did, in fact, vote for three different people. Okay? And I was given. I gave out if I, I don't know. I gave out the votes of four, three, and three. And if anyone out there can tell me correctly who I voted for, four, three, and three, um, but you have to assign the right person to the right number of votes I gave them. Okay. I will send you twenty five dollars on PokerStars, or if you don't have a PokerStars account, I will send you a uh, "Everyone Loves a Chop Pot" T shirt. So we're using the hashtag, right? EPT not live. This is a Twitter Correct. competition, I assume. So and whoever gets it first, the three people that you voted for on the Hall Correct. of Fame ballot, yes. And crucially, you have to identify the person that you gave four points to, followed by the two people that you awarded three points to. Correct. Thank you, James. Thank you for doing that succinctly. I appreciate that. So yeah, if anybody gets that first person to get that. Uh, I'll send you a prize. James, you want to do a little TV recap? Let's talk Shark Cage. TV recap. Shark Cage number nine, James. Nine for season two. It is the first half of heat number five. Possibly, um, I say one of my favorite heats because there's a place in my heart for all of them. But this one just seemed to work so well. Uh, it was quite an eclectic lineup of characters, and they just seemed to gel from the off. And if ever you wanted to see a game of poker on TV where people are enjoying themselves and having fun, this is the one. Yeah, this is really cool. I agree with you, James. Um, this heat has look as a commentator. I'm not going to lie; I get real bored doing like 
the Scott Seavers and the Steve O'Dwyers and the Sam Greenwoods over and over and over again. Like I've yeah. said a lot, I've talked about those guys a lot over the years, and they're not exactly the chattiest people at the table, so there's not a lot to riff on. This is was a dream table for me to do commentary on because you got Antonio, who talks a lot and kind of has a big ego, has an interesting history, won the one drop, has the magician stuff. He's like a very robust person, right, when he's out there, and he's got tons of personality. Then you've got Don Cheadle. I love it when we've got famous people in the heat we can riff on the movies do our little movie quote thing that's great we got natalie who we've known for a really long time so that's good to have her there there's lots of history things i can draw on and then we've got hot grill at the table we've got gail garcia diaz and she's she's really fun like of course she's belgium so belgian so she's like not particularly clever but <laughs> she's trying hard she's i'm trying sorry hard. belgiumese listeners i'm sorry they, uh, look, I think that the Belgian people, I'm not saying they're stupid. I just never met a funny one in my entire life. That's all I'm saying. And Gail tries real hard to be funny. And because Gail's hot, she's like when your boss makes a joke and everyone laughs because you're not expecting it. So when Gail makes a joke, everyone laughs. And but and she tries she tries hard to make jokes and to be funny. And so I just really appreciate this table in general. It made my job very easy. Well, I can tell you that a few of the people who tweeted hashtag Shark Cage after this show went out in the UK enjoyed having Gail Garcia Diaz at the table. James Berridge actually took a screen grab and says defiantly, although I think he means definitely, uh, defiantly glad I tuned in to watch Shark Cage tonight. Um, and he wasn't the only one. Dave Hosty says, what a player. Yes, absolutely. What a player. Gail Garcia Diaz, Good looking to add to it too. And there's one guy you mentioned from the, uh, you didn't mention from the lineup, Joe. Yeah. This is the person that Mark draws attention to. Great bluff by Gail to send John to the cage. EPT founder John Duffy, who I think enjoyed it more than anyone else in terms of falling in love with the format. He was just having an absolute ball, even when he went in the cage. He was, uh, yeah, he was like a, you know what's great is when you have a TV producer on, he knows what TV producers are looking for. So he kind of played evil Johnny Duffy a little bit. He was a little bit more of a creeper than he usually is. Um, he just knew the right things to say to camera. Uh, he, he's in his, in his like interviews, he's like a little over the top. And he's great. He's a character. And yes, I'm sorry I forgot to mention him at the top. But uh, he is just... Uh, the thing is, he's like that in real life, too. He's such a clown. Like, I love that guy. And we seem to have a few people who stumbled across the show who weren't necessarily switching on telly to watch poker and came across Shark Cage. Among them, Jimmy Walsh, at Jimmy Walsh. He says, just put the TV on waiting for boxing to start and was surprised to see a couple of poker-playing cuties on Shark Cage. And, of course, Jimmy then kept watching to the very end. Uh, and also, a bit of love for the qualifier as well. Corey Pansano. Andy Gibbons, a uh, former superfan on EPT Not Live, tweets, Corey seems like the nicest dude ever, really rooting for him in hashtag Shark Cage. Well, let's speak to the nice dude himself, because joining us on the line from Norway is Shark Cage qualifier Corey Pansano. Welcome to the show, Corey. Thank you, thank you. Uh, nice speaking with you, uh, Joe and James. Hi, Corey. Corey, uh, I think probably my biggest question is something James and I talked about a lot while we were voicing your Shark Cage shows. What's your actual deal? I couldn't figure it out. Are you, you, you're married or you're engaged or you have a girlfriend and you live overseas for some reason, but she can't be with you? Give me, give me the rundown because I don't know what the hell's going on in your life. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, we can call her Wife E. How about that? Uh, we have one of those uh, long-term engagements. Uh, okay. Engaged for like seven years now or something like that. And this is Christy. Uh, this is Christy, yes. Well, and why seven years, man? Does she give you a hard time about that? That seems like the kind of thing most girls aren't down for. No, uh, she doesn't actually really care. I don't know. I mean, what's the difference between marriage and, you know, uh, just being engaged, a piece of paper, right? So, ah, no, she doesn't care. I don't okay. care. Okay, okay, I can buy that. That's but fine. But I'm down. It, you know, she wants to get married. Sure, whatever. But it's, So it's been seven years, and how long have you guys been separated? Separated. Like, not like, you know, like in the... the <laughs> Poor choice of words. <laughs> Wait Joe. a minute. No, it's the exact right choice of words. Does she live in, in the U.S. and you live in Norway? Uh, no. Uh, she she lives here now. Oh, well, that's fantastic. Was yes. she not there when you were shooting the show? She was not. No, they were still in the states. Uh, they came. They moved over here in mid July, something like that. Who is they? Are you in a relationship with oh. the woman in the book? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a daughter. Uh, a daughter. Yes. She was. How old uh, is Isabel? Isabella. She's five. She's five. Oh, you guys could do a little play date with James's daughter. Yeah, because oh. obviously the commute between Norway and Putney is really manageable. Well, it's closer than it is for. Hey, where, do, where are you from? In New York, New Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans. It's in New York. Sorry, in the New yeah. World is what Not- I meant to say. <laughs> Here in America, and so, but initially, your job was like. Good at this. We, that was the other thing James and I were talking about. So you had this job where they, you moved away from home by yourself. Like, how good a gig was this? Like, was it better than a million dollar free roll? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, a million dollar free roll, that, uh, that pretty much tops it all. Uh, so I wouldn't put it maybe in that elite status. But uh, no, it's certainly a good gig. Uh, you know, it, it's something that's really good for my career um, to move over here. Uh, to the headquarters. I mean, I work for a very, very large company, uh, probably one of the biggest companies that you've never heard of, uh, because we're we're a leader in our our field, uh, in offshore in the oil uh, industry. You uh, do you work for like the Monsanto of offshore drilling? <laughs> <laughs> we're we're a big company. We're we're the leader in dynamic positioning, which you. It's going to be very boring if I start talking about it, so we'll just leave it right there. Nice one. Uh, let's talk about the million-dollar free roll instead, Corey, because we find ourselves in a weird point in the space-time continuum because we're talking about a series that was shot back in the spring, um, and yet it's now airing here in the fall, but only half of it has been seen by the world. Screened on Channel 4 in the UK, also available to watch at youtube.com slash pokerstars, but we've left everyone on a cliffhanger because here you are with two pair on the river. Antonio has moved all in. He's got you covered. Are you going to call this off for everything you've got? Or are you going to fold the best hand and go into the cage and no one knows the answer? And so we have to bizarrely talk around this without telling anyone what you do. And crucially, what happens next? Because we don't want to give away who wins the heat. The one thing we can say is it's not John Duffy because he's been eliminated already. (laughs) That is true. It is not John Duffy. But uh, I, I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to wait. You have to wait, Joe. So I don't know if it's possible to do this, Corey. I do want to begin at the beginning and talk about the whole shark cage qualification process. But with this specific moment, because that's where we left everyone. And a lot of people are saying, this is unacceptable. You can't end an episode like that. Oh, what, it's great. What is going through your mind at a point like this? 
Well, okay, so here's here's the first thing. Uh, the shot clock. Uh, that came into play so much more than I thought it would. Uh, specifically at that moment, uh, it's huge. I mean, I had a lot of uh, the time chips left, but uh, man, that just that, that clock in the back of your mind uh, just being there is like I just so nerve-wracking. Did you say the clock in the back of your what? The cock? In, oh, sorry. Um, I, have a, I have an idea. I have an idea, by the way, James. We should market Time Bank chips as like a snack. Just think about it. <laughs> it's just like a terrible idea on so many levels. You just give them to everyone when you're there. So, so Corey, you're saying so in this particular spot, but also so you were really feeling, uh, God, it's such a poker cliche, but you're really feeling the pressure. Yeah, 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 no, for sure. Uh, the first time that the the clocks like started counting down on me, uh, I think it got down to five seconds. I don't know if the hand was shown, but uh, yeah, I got to five seconds. I'm like, how did twenty five seconds already just pass? Like, I I don't know. Uh, yeah, that that was uh, that was something that I wasn't really anticipating, but but got to me. Does that time go away so quickly, and you you realize that you're down to five seconds left? Is that something because we don't realize how much time we're taking in general, or because like? Every time action is on, you're like, oh, my God, I'm on Shark. Like, your first 10 thoughts are like, oh, my God, I'm on TV. There's Antonio Sfondiari. How much is in the pot? And you're, like, thinking about it. So you're kind of, like, caught in the lights a little bit. Yeah. No, uh, for me, maybe for other people it's that way. But for me, it wasn't really, like, uh, you know, nervousness or shock or anything like that. It's probably just my normal slow thinking-ness. Nolens. Yeah. Just, you know, taking my time. Uh, so, yeah, I think it was more just uh, in general. Like, I think that would be nerve-wracking and playing against anyone in any tournament. Uh, but great. I mean, awesome. Uh, but, but definitely a different aspect uh, changes the game a bit. Yeah, so the pressure on, and obviously we'll get to see what you decided to do next week. And obviously we'll see the result of the heat, which we're not going to talk about here. But what I do want to talk about, Corey, is what happened after play finished. But hang on a sec. I said we were going to start at the beginning. Let's talk about the Shark Cage experience for you from the very start. At what point did you decide you wanted to apply to be on the show? Yeah, okay. So uh, actually, so there were, I think there were 10 days uh, where you could play the, the free rolls to get into the shark cage, uh, and they, I think they had three tournaments today. I didn't see the, the little promotion until the, the last day, uh, so I made my my uh, deposit to get my free roll tickets. There, were, I think there were three tournaments left, uh, and the first one that I played is the one that I won, uh, or got in the top twenty uh, of it was like twenty seven hundred people or something like that. Um, so it was like the yeah it was it was the last day that you could uh, play, and so I think I had like four or five days to make the video audition. Uh, so that was a bit funny. Uh, you know, I just moved here uh, in January. So James, I have you only had four or five days to make a two-minute video. I mean, how, <laughs> how do you ever how'd you ever get it done, Spielberg? <laughs> to be all, to be honest, there's a lot of pressure on people to make videos because you know I've got to really give people an idea of who I am. I've got to have something about me, whether it's a personality or a story that is going to be engaging and uh, make them want to put me on TV. Um, there's, there's there's a lot of things to consider there when you're making that video, so I can understand how the pressure's on. I want to know why you wanted to do it though, Corey. Obviously, there's the money, but had you seen the first series? Had you seen the show? Yeah, I mean, I hadn't watched all of the, uh, the first series, actually, or first season uh, when I uh, played, but I had seen some of it. I knew of the show. This guy's uh, like, yeah, I, th I guess it was a TV show. I was there. I don't know. I just <laughs> won this thing. 
Well, you also have to consider that I was in the U.S. Uh, you know when the first season uh, aired. So of course, it wasn't as big of a, a thing over there. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I knew about it certainly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I saw the promotion. I'm like, yeah, why not? And I mean, when I was playing the tournament that I, I got in the top twenty, uh, I mean, honestly, when I started, I'm like, yeah, okay, this is a free roll. You know, like who cares? I mean, whatever. So I get down to like maybe around 400 people i'm like wait i can actually get in the top 20 i think i think when we were down to like 22 i was all in like four times or something like i, I could very easily have not made it <laughs> it was yeah you know james, james be honest did Corey get picked because we needed to have a black qualifier <laughs> <laughs> you've got the wrong one you've got him yeah, confused with the Don other guy now. I'm sorry, I don't see color. I could, I was just listening, really, in the for the voice because I don't, I don't see color at all. I mean, Corey, something about the South of America or something. I mean, from the video, obviously, Corey, you end up on a short list, and then comes the actual casting process, which involves a series of interviews. Um, obviously, like someone from the TV production team wants to get to know you and kind of find out your story, but also, don't you get like quizzed on your poker knowledge as well? There was a there was a poker quiz, uh, which. I found pretty funny. I don't think I actually answered any of the questions with a, I would do this. I just asked a bunch of questions back. The answer uh, to every question is always, it depends. And as long yeah, as you answer that, you're going to pass. You're gonna, exactly, it's, it's situational. Um, live reads, dependent. If you answer anything like that, they're like, yes, this guy knows poker. Get him yeah, on that's, TV. That's what I did. So I guess that's why they picked me. I don't know. <laughs> Corey, uh, what was your take on the people that you were there with, um, like specifically Antonio? Because I know he rubs people this, the wrong way sometimes. Um, to me, I can't figure him out. I can't figure him out if he's like really the genuinely nicest guy ever or if he's like the most patronizing dude I've ever seen. <laughs> what was your take on Antonio? Okay, here, I'll set up a joke for you. He rubbed me the right way. Uh, <laughs> no, Being- he, was, he, was, he was great. Uh Really, I mean, the, the casting for this uh, this heat was great. I mean, uh, you know, all of us got along very well. Uh, we clearly all were, you know, comfortable with each other. And, I mean, a lot of banter. I mean, specifically Antonio, though. I mean, yeah, no, they, I mean, I liked him. He's a cool guy. Okay, and so you guys all went out and had dinner afterward? We did, yeah. Uh, I don't this know. This is awesome, gonna... by the way. I mean, I, we're not going to say who won, but the, even before the heat even started, you kind of all agreed as a group that hey, let's all go out tonight when the, when we finish filming. Yeah, I, I think it was like very early on when we started uh, filming. Uh, I think it was Don actually that brought it up. He's like, "Hey, we should all go out to dinner." Look at this like, guy he called him Don. Don, Mister Cheadle, to you, Don fucking Cheadle. <laughs> no, 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 just Don, just Don. Uh, <laughs> I think he's the one that uh, that brought it up uh, and meant, you know and said we should all go uh, out to dinner. And then actually, when we're out to dinner, he's the one that he's like, "Hey, we should go play some more poker. We should have a little uh, an extra game, uh, you know, after we finish dinner." So yeah, it, I was uh, I was legit jealous about this. Actually, I think that night we had I was in working late or something. I was actually doing live commentary that day while James was off gallivanting on shark cage and i was like oh man look at those guys they're having so much fun yeah I, I may have been gallivanting but i didn't get to go to the dinner or play in the game afterwards joe so we end up in the same place quite frankly well it <laughs> seems like Corey, that maybe you sort of made some legit friends out of this because i was checking out your twitter timeline and i noticed <laughs> that you tweet at gail garcia diaz an awful lot uh, <laughs> what is what does wifey think about that 
Wait, okay, yeah. I, okay, maybe I tweeted her an awful lot compared to the amount of tweeting that I actually do. Yes. <laughs> yes, okay. We can we can say that. Uh, but I wouldn't classify it as a lot. It may be, what, three uh, in the last... What, Since I met her. What you need to do is you need to make sure you tweet loads of just random irrelevant shit to make it look less exactly. intense. Yeah. You gotta okay, hide it, dude. Okay. Look, I'll give you some tips if you want, because <laughs> I've I can I can I, I can stock with the best of them. Look, okay, so uh I, I James and I, James was doing a little research on you when we were gonna have you on the show, and um we did notice one other very interesting thing about your Twitter account. Do you uh, do you wanna play a little trivia game with us, Corey Pan- Panzano? Sure, but uh, can I, uh, if it's about my, my Twitter account, then okay. But I'm just going to preface this with: if it has anything to do with history or geography, I am going to suck. So I sure hope that has nothing to do with this game. Yeah, well, it has to do with somebody's history, just not uh, just not world history. Right, James right. noticed yeah. that you uh, start start the game show music. James noticed that uh, your first ever Twitter follower was no, your first ever Twitter follow. The first person Sorry. Corey Pansano <laughs> ever followed on Twitter is Joe Stapleton's former flatmate Amanda Leatherman. That's right, Corey. So we're gonna play some. Uh, Amanda Leatherman trivia. Are you ready? Sure. Let's do this. Okay. What was Amanda Leatherman's... I, I made a multiple choice now, I think, James, is the key for these. Yes. What was Amanda Leatherman's first TV presenting job? Was it the big game? Was it the North American Poker Tour? Or was it the World Poker Tour? Uh, what was the middle one? What was B? The North American Poker Tour. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't WPT, I don't think. I mean, it, yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with B with the middle one there, North American Poker Tour. B is incorrect. James, the answer was the big game. The big game came was, slightly before the North American. Yeah, but poker she did tour. she did all like the poker news stuff way back in the day. And... No, I said TV. TV. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, technicality. <laughs> go ahead. I like how I'm giving Ch- Corey the chance to prove that he's not an Amanda Leatherman stalker, but now he's angry that he's not getting the questions right. <laughs> I want to be a stalker. Come on. <laughs> Corey. Like a badge of honor. <laughs> what was the name of the show that Amanda and I did together on the website Poker Road? Was it Poker Weekend Update? Was it Weekend Poker Update? Or was it Poker Weekly Update? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I don't. <laughs> the correct I'm, answer. I'm with you on that James? one. I've absolutely no idea. The correct answer there was C. Poker Weekly Update. It was basically just uh, poker headlines with like you know weekend update, SNL ripoff, and uh, we used to do actually we used to do this segment called um, the Facebook Roundup, where Amanda would go, "You put it on your Facebook." Now I put it in yo face book and she would read people's status messages and make fun of them. And Adam Levy got really mad because she called him gay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here we go. Next question. Amanda Leatherman is now a morning radio DJ in Asheville, North Carolina. What is the name of her co-host? Is it Josh A? Is it B, Michael? Or is it C, Jason? I think it's Josh. It's got to be Josh. I think it's Josh. Josh. Josh is the classic name of a morning radio DJ in Asheville, North Carolina. Josh is correct. And in fact, his name is Josh Michael. So I was trying to throw you off. Nah, there. you're wow. on the board, Corey. You've scored a point. All right. 
Question number six. What kind of car does Amanda Leatherman drive? Is it an A, a Prius? Is it a B, a Miata? Or is it C, a Sonata? Uh, oh, wait. A Miata, a Sonata, or a what? Or a Prius. Yeah, people who work in the oil industry don't like Priuses. No, 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 yeah. Oh, we're going to go with a Miata. Miata is incorrect. He doesn't even oh. want to say the word Prius. That's fine. <laughs> no, yeah, Amanda yeah, tweeted just a few weeks ago about how she almost ran out of gas in her Prius, um, which is pretty blonde of her. Okay, question number seven, Corey. Despite being told that I was not allowed to have guests, when we roomed together, how many girls did I end up having sex with on Amanda Leatherman's couch? <laughs> A, zero. B, one. C, two. We will go with two. Zero. Two, two is correct, James. Oh. What a what a brag there, huh? I, I like this quiz how you set it up. That's, that's good. <laughs> thank, thank you, Corey. You're, uh, you're two and three right now, Corey. So we're going to give Corey enough questions to try to get out of his hole. Here we go. Uh, question number eight. What did Amanda Leatherman kick me awake while I was sleeping for doing? Was it A, farting? Was it B, talking? Or was it C, snoring? All right, snoring, I feel like that's too obvious, so we're not going to go with that one. But would it really help to kick you if you're farting? I'm gonna, so I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with talking. Corey, the answer is that kicking me would not have helped me with any of those things, and yet Amanda Leatherman kicked me <laughs> anyway. Unfortunately, the answer was C, snoring. Oh, Always go for easy. the obvious, Corey. Go easy. for the obvious. Okay, Corey, here we go. When Amanda Leatherman got her boob job, her cup size went <laughs> A from A to B. B from B to C, C from A to C. A to C. A to C is correct. You're Woo. three and four. Let's see if you can tie the game with the next question. Turns out there's only one more question, but if you tie, if you get this, I'll give you a tiebreaker. Here we go. Okay. What is Mc <laughs> what is Amanda's McDonald's value meal of choice? The number one, the Big Mac, the Big Mac meal. The number three, which is the quarter pounder meal, or the number ten, which is the chicken McNugget meal. Dude, did you look these up, or do you actually know the numbers of McDonald's value meals? I think I might have screwed up quarter pounder. Quarter pounder is three or four, and I didn't, I didn't look it up. It's but disturbing. yeah, one is Big Mac, and ten is chicken is chicken McNuggets. I, she seems like a chicken nugget kind of girl. I'm chicken McNuggets that. is correct, Corey. You tied the game. Four and four. Uh, now I have to think of so one, more. One. Yeah. one more. Okay, here we go, Corey. For the tiebreaker, for the win. What color are Amanda Leatherman's eyes? Uh, can I Google it real quick? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, we're going to go with... Do you really remember people's eyes color? Uh, eye colors? Like you just know that or you just know her? If I was if a stalker, I'd probably know the color of the eyes of the person I was stalking. Yeah, but I'm just curious if Joe, if he knows that about people in general or not. I don't. I don't remember. Like if my girlfriend asked know. me what color her eyes were, I'd be like, duh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's when she's okay. standing right in front of him. Yes. All right. We're going to go I don't with... see color. We've been over this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going to go with uh, blue. 
Blue is correct. Well done, Corey. You won this pointless game that carries absolutely no prize whatsoever. Oh, right. Well, I can call myself a winner, though. You are a winner because you got to play in Shark Cage, and who knows? Maybe when we watch next week, we'll see you win that heat and go through to the final. Uh, but ultimately, regardless of the end result, did you enjoy the experience of taking part in Shark Cage? It was incredible. Correct answer. It, it, it was. Corey, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, it's good, good to speak to, to one of the real people. Yeah, no, I, I am a real person. But, uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to go down uh, with saying that, that Don Cheadle, like, he was the... I was expecting him to be, like, this, you know, actor, and he's just off in La La Land, you know. But he was the most down-to-earth guy, uh, unexpectedly, that, uh, that I had met uh, in a long time. So it was, it was very, very strange and awesome experience because of that, too. I like that. That's, uh, you know, that's happened to me a few times in my life, and it's always, it feels really magical when they turn out to be real people and, like, take an interest in you. So that's really cool, Corey. Um, I guess next time I'll give you a Don Cheadle quiz. <laughs> Sounds good. Good talking with you all. Thank you very much, Corey. All right. Have a good one. Have a good day. James, let's go into the lobby. Let's. And if you go to the tournament lobby and type the letters EPT into the search bar, you'll be presented with a plethora of satellites for the next leg of the European Poker Tour, which takes place in Prague in December. And that's one of the good things about having this gap now, Joe, between Malta and Prague, is it can really focus people on trying to qualify for this event. You might remember that around Barcelona time there were already qualifiers running for both Malta and Prague and you kind of had a decision oh, which one shall I go for now you look in the lobby and it's all Prague 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 just Prague I, by the way Prague is an awesome stop um, and if you uh, I think uh, it's it's a kind of a romantic stop this would be the stop that I would like if I had a significant other if you need like a little winter like get away for a couple days Prague's like really gorgeous and super charming um, and cheap. Prague's really cheap. Yeah. Uh, there are, suffice to say, qualifiers running all the time, satellites into satellite. The one game we'll highlight, which we often do here on EPT Not Live, is on a Sunday. So this coming Sunday would be the 15th of November at 4.30 in the afternoon. That's Eastern time zone. There is a €215 Euro buy-in qualifier with one package. Because remember, it's not just the buy-in to the main event. There's also all the frills that go around it, like spending money and uh, and travel. And that is two. 215 euros to play but there are satellites into the satellite you could qualify for this for as little as eight euros and 80 cents eight euros and 80 cents i mean that's uh you could you could win that in my hall of fame contest you could play almost three of those or probably more than three of those james real quick just for laughs i'm gonna log into my poker stars account here in new jersey and just see what happens like because you know maybe there'll be like a thing that says coming soon or something like that I mean, I could technically, when they're live here, satellite into EPT Prague, probably, right? Um, that's a really good question, actually, whether they will run satellites for EPT events on the New Jersey site. Maybe it would only be uh, North American events when we get those off the ground. Well, at the moment, my, I can only even log in using uh, to, to my UK screen name on a UK thing, so I couldn't even get oh. in. So uh, it's going to be one of those things where I'll need to create... A new, I'll have to have a separate New Jersey account. Maybe I'll get stapes this time. I got to be there like a day one. 
No, but then there's probably a lot of .NET people that are, yeah, it's not going to work. I'm never going to get Stapes. God Aww. damn it. Bad beat again. Uh, I do have some good news, though, James. Um, I do have an important message from, uh, from Pagan Events regarding next year's, <laughs> next year's EPT Malta. Roll it. EPT Malta. Brought to you by Pagan Events, a division of Pagan Enterprises. This October, Pagan Events brings you a poker tournament like no other. 666 events. Buy-ins to fit any bankroll. Don't bother with exchange rates. The only currency we deal in is souls. Flexible schedules with noon and 5 p.m. sacrifices. Four-color tarot card decks. Tournament Director, Alan Kessler. Smoking everywhere. No phone chargers anywhere. First 500 entries get a $10 casino credit and a free shot of Virgin's Blood. Strict dress code. Players may not obstruct their faces unless it's with the head of a lamb or a yak. No more flip-flops after what happened last year. Come on! Bad beat stories encouraged. EPT Malta. One hell of a good time. Satellite's running now through eternity. <laughs> oh, oh my sides. Oh, my sides are killing me. Can I get a glass of water? I love it. So that is the audio version of the promo for Pagan Events that we first ran in Malta on EPT Not Live at EPT Live. That thing was so fun to make, by the way. I took a video when I was making it. Basically, Giles messes with the thing so that my voice comes out like that in real time. So I'm sitting there at the desk being like, oh, I'm gonna, you guys ready? You guys? <laughs> I mean, it's, and it's so funny. And also, it slows your voice down a little bit so yeah. it doesn't come back in your ears at the same speed you'd expect. So when you do long sentences, it's really hard. But, um, man, was that fun to do. I want to figure out some, some more stuff we can do like that. Okay, it's time for us to put a super fan on their first step of the way towards playing an EPT. Superfan versus States. And this week we are staying inside the United Kingdom to say hello to EPT Superfan Michael Wong. Did I say it correctly this time, Michael? Almost. Young. Ah, correct me. <laughs> Michael Young. Young. Okay, so Young. imagine that the U is a Y. That's precisely how I would describe it, yes. What? In which case, why is your name not spelt with a Y? Um, ask my dad. <laughs> I don't think his dad probably decided it either, to be fair. I don't think it's clear either, to be honest with you, so there you go. James, you were saying it young. <laughs> oh, he's on fire today, ladies and gentlemen. Michael, tell <laughs> us about yourself. Where are you from and what do you do? Uh, I live in North London at the moment, and I currently work for Imperial College London in their grants administration. Where it's clearly very noisy and clattery. Oh, is it? 
<laughs> sounded like someone just dropped a trolley full of books and stationary supplies. That was at my uh, house. That was my book and stationary delivery. Oh, excellent. Joe's it's probably finally... just a tea and coffee for some meetings. So let's just go. <laughs> as well. No problem. At least Joe's got something to read. Wow, that is that is fantastic. Michael, loud. is someone is someone doing karate around you? What is that? Um, yeah, there's some bricks flying around. You know, just just the usual. Now, Michael, wait, you... wait, wait, no, hold on. Just a little aside. Michael, why are you being so shady about this? There's there's so- something going on around you, and you keep making a joke. What is it? <laughs> it's just the coffee guy just slamming some trays down okay i couldn't find a quieter spot that that coffee guy's like ah oh, so michael's appearing on epsi not live well i want to be on epsi not live as well have some of this <laughs> i think that yeah. michael's actually lied to us about what he's doing he's like some kind of spy and there's like a karate fight happening behind him and that's why he can't be honest about it it's a okay. ludicrous theory and like all ludicrous theories i love it <laughs> <laughs> now michael you know how the competition works uh, you were yep. asked to select a specialist subject. You're going to get asked a series of questions on that subject, some of which will be fielded by Mr. Stapleton. Should you defeat the master, and I use those two words in inverted commas, <laughs> you will win a Step C ticket worth That's 27 perfect. euros and an Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt. Now, Joe, are you aware of the subject that Michael has chosen? Did he pick Premier League football? Yes, your favorite sport. It's all about okay, I'm soccer up, squadrons. I'm up one to nothing. <laughs> Woo, yeah, I knew he picked Premier League. Oh, so have you been doing your research, Joe? No, because every time, if I mean, if I really want to, I don't know how I would research soccer because it instantly makes me go to sleep. Well, here's the thing, Michael. I've outsourced the questions and okay. Hartigan Senior is back in charge of Superfan versus Stapes questions after a couple of flaky contributions from members of our production team. Now, these questions have been divided into two categories. Questions for Joe, questions for you. Not to say that the questions for Joe are easy, but they all involve numbers or years, so at the very least he can guess. Okay, that sounds fair. That does sound fair. Uh, and with that in mind... I'm going to ask Joe Stapleton the first question as we kick off this week's edition of Superfan vs. Stapes. Superfan vs. Stapes. Joe, in which year did the Premier League start? First of all, if I could just, uh, I appreciate the effort, you know, with the, with the numbers thing, but now I feel like I'm being quizzed on soccer and math. <laughs> it's a year. <laughs> it's basically pick a, pick a number. Yeah, but it's a year between, like, before, that sometime before this year and also the rest of eternity. Like, I, I might as well, all right. Um, I, I'm going to give you one clue. It's yeah. a relatively modern invention. Okay. 1983. Incorrect. Michael, you can steal for a point. 1992. Is correct. Michael goes 1-0 up. And now it's Michael's first question. Who scored the first ever Premier League goal? It's a gentleman called Brian Dean. Which is correct for another point. Uh, I have no shot. What is so what is Michael gonna win here? Uh, Michael's going to win a 27-year Step C <laughs> ticket and a T-shirt. Excellent, great. Okay. Come on, Joe. Come on, Joe. How many teams were there in the Premier League when it started? Can I ask it? How many teams are in it now? 
I have no idea. Michael, if you want to share that information, you can. 18. There are currently 18 teams in the Premier League, but how many were there when it started? And I'll give you a clue. I, don't, I, I think it's 20, actually. Okay, so, well, it's not 18 okay. and it's not 20. It's a different number, Joe. Okay. Uh, nine. It was in the vicinity of 18 or 20. Um, the answer was 22. Sorry, Michael, I didn't give you the chance to steal, but this is going to be a whitewash anyway, so we don't want to completely embarrass the poor guy. There, wait, there were more teams back then? Yes, and obviously the, the, teams still, the teams still exist, but we have a, a league system, so you get relegated into a lower league. Wait, 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 wait. There's worse players out there than the ones that are making <laughs> all that money? Are yes. they, what are they, children? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Michael, your second question. Arsene Wenger is currently the Premier League manager with the longest continuous service at 19 Wenger, years. Wenger, boys, are back in town. Sorry, I just... At 19 years and 14 days. Who is second to him, specifically a Premier League manager in the same job? Ooh, that's a good one. He just um, he just he just dispatched another bad guy, by the way, while he was thinking. That's yeah, right, the tea tray. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with David Moyes. That is incorrect, and that means Joe. Oh, what a joke! What you a have joke, a chance. God, you have a chance to so steal, best. Joe. You can steal this for a point. Who's the second longest-serving manager in the Premier League, Joe? Jose Mourinho. No, in fact, it's a gentleman called Eddie Howe, who has been manager of Bournemouth for three years and 31 uh, days. Did I uh, at least name a coach? You did. Okay. You did. Um, well, but you don't get a you don't get a point for it because it wasn't the answer to the question I asked. I I know, but look, I think that, that think about this for the future of the game, right? So you ask someone like, "What's the quarterback for whoever?" And then you ask me like. Name a quarterback. I think that's how it should really work. Should oh, I six. see. Okay, I'll give you half a point then. It's currently <laughs> two points playing half a point. Uh, and, Joe, it's your question. Yeah, of course it is. Let's go. In what year was the first Premier League game played outside of England? In what year was the first Premier League game played outside of England? So that would be like a Wales or a Scotland thing. So, see, that would be a great question what countries are outside of England. I will give you a point if you can tell me what country it was played in. It was in... Now, that means I haven't said it. Is there another country? No, oh, there's... It's hard to get to Northern Ireland. Let's say... All right, let's say it was in Wales and it was in 1998. You got the country right for a point, but you got the year wrong. And, Michael, I will allow you to steal if you can tell me the year. I'm going to say 2011 is correct, meaning you now lead by three points to one and a half points. Uh, yes, it was when Swansea City hosted Wigan Athletic. Hark at me! Make it try to sound like I know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> My brother used to dress like a Wigan in high school. Uh, it is your question, Michael. Yeah. Which player has scored the most goals in the Premier League? Alan Shearer. Is correct, and I'll give you a bonus point if you can tell me how many goals he scored. 260. Oh my god, he gets it. Five. That's uh, pretty sick. Points for Michael now. Uh, 
I think you've locked up the prizes, but let's get this thing through to its conclusion and give Joe his final question. How many goals were scored in the Premier Eddie Shearer in the Premier League's highest ever scoring match? I know you like to joke, Joe, about how few points are scored in soccer games. How many goals were scored in the Premier League's highest ever scoring match? Now, it's not my answer. I just want to talk this out. I don't know if I should go with three or four. <laughs> three or four. Why don't you and try and come up with a genuine answer rather than uh, a piss-take answer? Total goals? I'm going to say 21. Incorrect. Michael, you can steal. 12? Close, but no cigar. It was 11 when Portsmouth ah. beat Reading 7-4 in September 2007. Oh my God, soccer scores are so low that even when you were like trying to tell me like, imagine it's something like the most ridiculously high score you could ever think of. I was still 10 goals over. <laughs> and Michael, your, your final question to put the icing on the proverbial cake. The Premier League trophy is made of solid sterling silver, but in 2004, a special gold version was commissioned why? Was it because Manchester United won 10 titles? No. Wrong team, wrong reason. Joe, do you know? Um, if you can tell me the team, I'll give you a point. It's because it was the 10th anniversary of the Tottenham Spurs. No. <laughs> Although you're in the right neighbourhood... It's Give because... Michael another shot. Okay, oh, let's Michael, see go on, Michael. See if you can get it. Because Arsenal went the season unbeaten. Correct. That team was known as the Invincibles. They didn't lose a single game all season. They won the Premier League and won a gold trophy. Uh, you didn't need any extra points, Michael, so I'm not going to give you any. You win this week's edition of Supervan versus Stapes by a ludicrous margin, meaning that you win that Step C ticket and an Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt. Oh, yeah! Well done, Michael. Thank you very much for taking part in the show and enjoy your prizes. Thank you. Will do. Thanks, Cheers. Michael. You better uh, get back to headquarters. Yeah, will do. Ponto. So I'm not going to lie to you, Joe. I did have a bit of a headache this week finding a super fan for the show. Oh. Now, I know we've, we do have our shortlist, um, but I left it to the last minute to get in touch with people. And I did get a few people who were unavailable, who couldn't or necessarily didn't really feel like doing it this week. So do you know what? For next week, I'm clearing the slate, fresh submissions. If you want to appear on next week's show in the Superfan vs. Stapes segment, please tweet in the next seven days using the hashtag EPTNotLive. Let me know your specialist subject as well, and maybe we'll get you on the program. James, I, 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 we got to talk about something a little sad for a second, but there's going to be a semi-happy ending to it. Uh, we got a, we've got a, a Superfan cautionary tale. Yes. And uh, a few weeks ago, James, you noticed that uh, Andy Gibbons had tweeted that uh, that his his poker stars account had been hacked. Yeah, he noticed that someone had been into his account and basically emptied all of his funds, and also all of his FPPs had gone as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and so I was immediately concerned, a because hey, he's a super fan, and we know the guy a little bit. Uh, I met him. He came to one of my stand-up shows. He took you to go see uh, Spectre. Spectre, even though that's probably something we should use 
against him. <laughs> it was a wonderful gesture and one I'm very grateful for. Yes. And so I was a little concerned. And also I was concerned because I was like, look, even though this isn't like great PR, people should know how to protect their account and they should know that this can happen, especially because like if your account gets hacked, like that's on you. That's Absolutely. Unfortunately, it's that's one of on those you. things you have to protect your account and you have to restrict access to your account. And it's one of those things that you know, Andy completely accepted and he spoke to the security team at Pokestars about how it might have happened, but he understood that I know this is on me. And all Pokestars can do, all the security team can do, is give people advice on how they can possibly prevent this from happening to them. So that's what we did on Andy's behalf, um, is that we spoke to the security team and got some top tips on how to ensure that your account doesn't get hacked. Right. Now, I'm interested in this, James, because my first question was, oh, did he just have an easy password? Like, is there, are there people out there trying passwords? And he said that in his case, um, his account was accessed from another machine because he had the remember me option checked on his computer, which means if someone hacks into you, like can take over your computer, you're already logged in. So it wasn't even a case of his password getting cracked. But in, in the, to answer your question directly, Joe, yes, what often happens is that people do pick very simple passwords and hackers are able to guess them. It's happened in the past. It probably happens more frequently than we'd like it to. So tip number one, as obvious as it sounds, is to have a strong and secret password um, and one that you don't share with others that isn't related to you in any way. If you've done something famous in poker, for example, don't have a password that relates to that. <laughs> and obviously, again, to protect that password, just make sure you're running an up-to-date version of the operating system on your computer and make sure that you are running virus software to ensure there isn't anything dodgy running on your PC. And this comes down as well, and this is on you as well. I don't want to lecture people about downloading hooky software or torrents. This is not a lecture in piracy, but what I will say is if you are going down that route, you can end up with random shite on your computer which can cause you problems down the line. That is often how these things end up on computers, this spyware, these Trojans. They yeah. are somehow pegged to some video file or software that you've got through some dodgy torrent site. So make sure you're running scanning software, make sure you're up to date, and get stuff from legitimate sources. That's Look, I've, I've picked up viruses from dodgy places before. Not all of them mechanical. Yes. Um, now, there are other steps you can take, as well as having a strong password. One is to get an RSA security token from the Pokestars VIP store. If you don't want to go down that route, though, you can set up um, SMS validation, so a text message code as well. Um, normally, you'll only need your Pokestars ID and your password to get into your account, but... They're quite good at working out when your account is being accessed in an unusual way. For example, from a new device, from a new computer, or from a new mobile platform. So what they'll do is they'll say, hmm, you've never logged in, logged, logged on from here before, so let's send a text alert to verify and make sure this actually is you. So it's just an extra layer of protection if you're not logging on from the normal place, from your normal computer or IP address. Excellent. Okay, very good. So uh, if everyone out there if everyone out there promises to be better about their password and better about their computer, whatever, virus safety stuff, okay? If everyone out there promises, what I'm going to do is Andy Gibbons shared with me how much money was taken from his account. 
And what I'm going to do is I'm going to one time only, don't ever anyone else on the entire planet ever ask me for this ever again. I am going to replace all of Andy Gibbons' super fans' lost money. But again, that comes with the stipulation that all of you out there have to be safer about your passwords. Do you think you could do that for me? That's a very lovely gesture from Mr. Joe Stapleton to the poker community. And yes, I do imagine that you are now going to be barraged by messages on Facebook and people tweeting at states, my account also got hacked. Honest, I lost $10,000. Hand out. Don't care anymore. Guess what, guys? That means it's time for me to get out of here. I'm getting the fuck out of here. That's all the time <laughs> we've got for today's show. Next week, I'll be back in the UK. We're going to finish off Shark Cage Heat number four, and we'll have guest Gail Garcia Diaz on the show. Sadly, not, not an InVision edition of uh, EPT Not Live, but still. There's still plenty of out her out there on the internet if you guys want to. I suggest Googling her. Hey, do you remember? Oh, my God. I should tell the story about the first time I met Gail next week. That's what I should do because that's actually a pretty good story. Um, man, so we'll get to that. Uh, of course, next week we'll cover my uh, my talk at the London School of Economics. <laughs> finally. Finally. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think we've got some more fun stuff coming up next week. I don't know, James, if you want to, but uh, Brad Willis wrote this story about uh, some crazy shit that went down in a North Carolina poker game. Maybe I've we could uh, seen give it, that a chat next I've week. I've seen it retweeted a lot of times. I haven't got around to reading it yet, but anything that Brad Willis writes is always worthy of your attention, whether it's stuff on his personal blog or whether it's stuff for the PokerStars blog. Perfect. Well, that's all the time we've got for this week's show. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.